0: Well, um, I I hope you had a great Christmas and a great New Year's, and I hope you're so, so excited to be back at school, Um, but even more excited to be back here at Oasis. And man, I missed uh, like worshiping with Eli and the band, and after worship like that, my goodness, we could just go home and be like, that was great. Um, Here's how we're going to start tonight. I want to do a little um, symbol association, a little logo quiz. Maybe you have this app on your phone or you have at some point. So, um, I want to show you a few symbols, and I want you to tell me the, the group or the organization that they're associated with and what, they, what they're known for. I mean, so I'll kind of say, like, you like this or don't you, positive or negative, negative? and these are pretty easy. So, um, first of all, throw that one up there, the very first one, Apple, yeah, um, anyone, like, hate Apple? Almost everyone loves Apple. Nice, Marcus and Will, two people are like, three people. Hatred for Apple, go PC. That's what you think of. Uh, All right, second one, when you see this, pretty obvious Starbucks. Yes. Positive or negative, raise your hand if you're positive on Starbucks. You love Starbucks. That is me, love it. Who hates it? Anyone hates Starbucks? Because you just hate coffee or it's too dark or too bold or too strong. All right. Here's the next one. This is very easy. Yeah, makes you, I mean, you know Nike, okay, somebody, this obviously is taking a little crowd participation, when you think of Nike, what do you think of primarily? Shoes, I think of shoes, there's clothes and all kinds of other stuff now, but I think of shoes, all right, how about this next one, what does this make you think of, ooh, getting a little more, okay, Jesus, it's a cross, obviously, and positive or negative, what does that make you feel? Hopefully positive, although he died on the cross, so, but, okay, that's kind of our symbol. One more kind of crazy one, this is, I don't know if this is controversial, I suppose it is, it's a very controversial symbol. What is that? Who is that? Who's associated with this? Hitler. Nazis. I don't know the background of the swastika, but um, I know it's a Nazi thing. Go to the next one. What do you think people in Omaha think of when they, when they see this? People in Omaha. Hopefully awesome. You know what, though? I mean, this is obviously starting to get into what we're going to get into with this series. A lot of people probably go, oh, yeah, it's just some church. There it is. You drive by it. It's nice that you can see our church from the interstate. That's kind of crazy, but... Most people probably don't know anything other than it's here. This Brookside is right there. Okay, this last one. What do you think people in your schools think of when they see that? Probably go, I don't know what that is. But maybe they do, because maybe you are like always talking about Oasis. Maybe they've never seen that before, because quite frankly, we only have it on one t-shirt, and uh, there's pink on it, so not a lot of the guys are wearing that shirt. But for each one of these... They remind us of something. I mean, with, with any of these symbols or logos, whatever, there's things affiliated with each one, and they, regardless, of this stuff, they produce some sort of reaction. Maybe not a big reaction. But you see this and you just know. Anyone? Google Chrome. Is this just Chrome? I suppose. It's not all Google. It's just Chrome. Any men, any men love Pinterest? Pinterest is a In my mind, fully a girl's sight, but there's some guys out there that love it. They produce a reaction. So here's the thing: the truth is, every, in some sense, every group, every organization, every person even has a brand. We call this association branding. You brand something, and so, sure, our kind of logo says Oasis, so it's obvious what it is. But it's also kind of a look in certain colors and. Um, Brookside Church. If it's that's our logo, we call it a logo. Um, everyone obviously knows this is Facebook. You put an F like that in that font, and you add blue to the surround. You'd like think of Facebook, um, but it's branding and companies and schools and neighborhoods and churches and even us as individuals, but certainly us as Christians. We have a brand, whether positive or negative. People think certain things. And so usually a group's brand is shaped by what they do, what they make, what kind of service they provide, how they act, what they say, how they treat others, which is why for the next um, three weeks we're going to be doing this series called Branded and talking about what Christians and what churches and even um, what Oasis, just what this group, Oasis isn't a thing, Oasis is a people, the church is not just a building, the church is a people, we're going to talk about what, what we're known for and what we could and should be known for. But being branded is a reality, okay? Whether we want it to be or not, it's a reality. We all, even as individuals, when you think of certain people, you have friends at school that when you see their face or if you see a picture of their face, certainly I'm out of high school, when I see certain pictures of guys, if I go back and look at my high school yearbook, there's, a, there's almost a brand, there's certain things that come to my mind When I think of people, which means it almost might make us a little nervous because that means everything we say or do, the people we interact with, and even the people we intentionally don't interact with, all of those things matter to some degree because, again, they brand us for good or for bad, for negative, for positive. So the question is, what's our brand? What is our brand? So what about us? In this room... Right now, this group is what we call Oasis, the high school ministry at Brookside Church. I don't know, there's maybe close to a hundred of you in here right now. And uh, it seems like many student ministries, ours included, this is, this is what you think of. Our brand is, well, we, we go to this place and we hang out in a room and then maybe we play a game or we watch a little funny, cheesy video, because we always watch a YouTube video and we start the night. And maybe we play a game and we sing some songs, always sing some songs, and then somebody talks to us for a little bit. We go to groups. But that's it. And that's, again, that's maybe not a bad thing. Those are all good things. But if you invite a friend or if you're here tonight and you're not used to this kind of thing, you go, okay, that's what it is. It's a brand. Um, That's what we're known for. We do that. Now, that's a good thing. We want to be in community, and we want to worship God, which is why we sing the songs, and we want to hear from the Word of God, the Bible. But uh, what are we really about? I mean, what is it that we, as a group, are really about? What's our purpose? What is our brand? What should our brand be? What are we trying to accomplish? What is it, even as individuals, that gets us out of bed every morning For you, what is your mission? Maybe you're, maybe you right now, uh, holidays are over. You got Monday off of school. Luckily, I just heard someone yesterday here at the church say that, that this Monday, this last Monday, is called Blue Monday. It's the most, it's kind of the saddest day of this, especially this last Monday, freezing cold. The holidays are all over. Maybe you're like, you're coming here tonight and you're depressed. Or you're going through all kinds of stuff. You kind of hate, you're back at school, and that's fine, it's good to see your friends, but you're not happy. The holidays, you're expecting a little more than you got. So, there's all these things. What should bind us together as Christians? What's our purpose? What's our mission? But if someone were to ask you this, um, if they would ask you the question, what do, you, do you feel like Christians are unified? Do you feel like the church, the church capital C, is unified? My guess is that your response would probably be the same as mine, that you'd probably say, uh, not really, that maybe even for many of you in here, your parents don't go to church at all, or maybe, yeah, I know for a lot of you, your parents do go to church. They go to church here. Maybe you go to some other church. For some of you in here, both mom and dad are Catholic, and they don't know why you come here. Mom's Catholic and dad's not, or mom's something else and, or, and dad is completely wants nothing to do with it. But if I asked you the question, do you feel like the church is unified? You'd probably go, not really. In fact, maybe that frustrates you. Um, Maybe it's terribly confusing for you. I mean, you've probably noticed, whether you're a Christian or not, that Christians don't always seem to get along. They don't always um, seem to see eye to eye on things. And so maybe maybe you've wondered before, like, why don't we get along better as a church? And quite frankly, some of you... um, the Catholic Church, one of the things the Catholic Church has done so well, I think, you guys, it's remained unified. It really hasn't changed much for the last however many years. We are a Protestant church. Most of you know that, that in whatever, the 1500s, Martin Luther did not start a new religion. He broke off from the Catholic Church. He protested, hence the Protestant Reformation. Said, "I said, I want church to be solely about the Bible and being saved by grace alone through faith alone. He didn't start a new religion. But then what happens? So we have Protestants, so Catholics are over here, Protestants, but there's not just Protestants, right? Our church is in this denomination. That's, you know, what's that word? It's called the free church. But then there's Baptists. You've all heard of Baptists. Or Methodists. But then in Methodists, there's United Methodists and there's Free Methodists. And there's Presbyterians and there's uh, Church of God and Church of Christ and Church of the Nazarene and all kinds of other ones, right? I mean, Baptists even. There's like, I don't know, 30 different little branches off of the Baptists. Does that seem like unified? Like a unification? Like some sort of unity? No. Now, is that a bad thing? Again, I'm not saying we should never have disagreements and conflict. We're not robots, so we're going to disagree over certain things. And a lot of those battles were fought centuries ago and probably for good reason. Um, but is it too bad that we're not unified? Yeah, it's really too bad. And I think to the world we live in today, it's like, especially you guys, high school students, you get into college, you just throw your hands up and go, it's too confusing. I don't get it. I don't know what's the, the deal with all these different churches and denominations. Um, here's the thing, though. What I'm, talking, what I'm talking about tonight or what we're going to get to, I hope, has the potential to be a little bit of a game changer for us in this area, that we can walk out of here experiencing church in a slightly new and different way. So, the Apostle Paul, who you've all heard of, most of you, um, wrote, you know, most of the New Testament, and he wrote it in the forms of letters to various groups and churches. The Apostle Paul, again, you've all heard this before, the crazy thing about the Apostle Paul is he hated Christians. This is the first century. He was a Pharisee. He was Jewish, and he hated Christians, and he went around having Christians put to death. He had them imprisoned. He had them killed. Um, One of the first Christian uh, martyrs, uh, Stephen, was stoned. They would, like, get a huge mob together. How would you like that? And Get, everyone throws rocks at you until you die. And they laid their coats, all these guys throwing the rocks, they laid their coats at Saul. He was kind of in charge of that or whatever, and proving that. He wanted Christians to die until one day he's on the way to the city to persecute more Christians. And Jesus himself, who had not been on earth, who'd been in heaven, comes down, appears to him in light so blinding that he becomes blind himself. And Jesus says, Paul, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? And I have different plans for you. It's the craziest thing ever. When we all, maybe you have friends that are the farthest from God. This is what Paul was to Christianity at the time. And he has this radical encounter with Jesus. And he immediately changes his ways. He starts preaching. All the other apostles, all the other disciples that are still alive, totally skeptical of this guy. I mean, we're scared of him. Had heard about what he had done. And he starts preaching everywhere that people need to repent and come to Jesus and that he's the Savior and he had this encounter, and it was amazing. So Paul was in the in a sense one of the very first people to carry the brand of Christianity, and he did it phenomenally well. And he was the person probably most responsible for spreading the brand of Christianity into the world. And a lot of things have tainted that since then. But Paul did a phenomenal job. And so in his letters, Paul writes so many and encourages his friends and instructs them on how to live their lives like Christ wanted them to live, and what it means to be a Christian. And most scholars and commentators agree that one letter, his letter to the Philippians, was the most encouraging probably of all of them. In fact, I remember learning in Bible college that um, Philippians, the theme of Philippians is joy. That the whole book of Philippians, the whole letter was written to encourage these people, these, the Christians living in the city of Philippi. So that's where we're going to be tonight. If you have a Bible, and maybe you grabbed one, maybe you didn't, but I want you to pull it out and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, New Testament toward the back of your Bible if you're new to the Bible. You can grab one off the Bible cards if you still need one. But Philippians chapter 2. And again, think of these as letters. I mean, when Paul wrote this, he wasn't like, now chapter 2. No, none of the the, uh, chapters and verses were in there when he wrote this, obviously. And I know I've said that before, but that helps us navigate. So, um, Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to start with just verse 1. Paul writes... If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. So he's writing to Christians. These are all Christians reading this. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if you have any tenderness and compassion. And I'm going to cut us off there. And we're not even going to read verse 2 yet. All these, He's speaking rhetorically, right? But it's like he's saying, he's saying, Look, I know that you've been changed by the gospel of Jesus. I mean, he starts by saying, if you, if you. But Paul knows. He's like, you have encouragement from being united with Christ. You have been changed. Paul knew these people. He knew who he was was writing to. So he's not just saying, if you have fellowship, but he goes, I know you do. It's as if he was writing, since you have fellowship with the Spirit, since you have tenderness and compassion now. He goes, I know your lives are different. I know. I know that's the case. So that's one thing he's saying. He acknowledges that He's speaking rhetorically. But he's also kind of saying here, just in one verse, just in this very first verse, he's also kind of indicating these are the things that all Christians should have in common, should be unified around. These are the, some of the most important things, having encouragement from being united with Christ. Being united with Christ, you guys. That is one of the like, most Um, succinct three-word declaration. I mean, I can't put it any simpler that you being a Christian is this, being united with Christ. Union with Christ is a great three-word summary of what Christianity is all about. Comfort from His love. These are the things that Christians should unite around. We should celebrate the encouragement and the comfort we have that we have a Savior, that we have a Rescuer, that we are not lost in our sin. Now, again, to our world, many of you or maybe many of your friends would go, eh, sin, like, wah, wah, who cares? It's not that big a deal. But to God, it's a very big deal because He made us, and He made us to be a certain way, and He didn't make us robots, so He gave us a choice. But we rebelled against Him. And again, that's only a big deal because the the punishment for sin is death. So God says, I'm sorry, but someone has to pay for this. Somebody has to. There's a consequence when you rebel against a holy and just God. And I go, I don't want to pay for that. And God goes, I'm sorry, you have to. Oh, no, wait. I'm going to send, I'm going to like go to earth myself. I'm going to send my son Jesus, fully God, fully man, and he's going to pay the price. And you go, that's not possible. How can that happen? I couldn't do that. I couldn't die for my friend's sins. I couldn't die for Mitch's sins. And God goes, yeah, but Jesus could because he was perfect. He's never sinned. I couldn't do that because I have my own sins to pay for. So Jesus... He died for us. He's our savior. He's our rescuer. This is what we should be united around. This is the gospel. When we get together in small groups, why do we do that? We we create community with others. We want to be in community. We want to hold each other accountable. You know what? Like as the killer of community? Going to small groups and being fake. And not like opening up about anything. Who cares? Why do you come and do that? I, I, I did that when I was in high school. I didn't want my buddy next to me, like, knowing my stuff, knowing my junk, knowing my deepest desires. And I realize that what's hard is even here, you're in group together, but you don't go to school with those friends. You don't trust the girl sitting next to you with that, that piece of info. Maybe, maybe your group leader does, but man, we want to have community. We want to, we want to be real with each other. We don't want to be fake. What's the point of that? And when we break the huddle from Oasis, we go off to our schools tomorrow. We go off to work after school. We're going out to show love and compassion to coworkers and to friends and to people that never feel love and compassion. So Paul's message to the Philippians, it's a message to us too. And he's saying, you've been given this stuff, so give what you've received. Go and give what you've received. That's what Paul's saying. If you have any encouragement, if you have all this stuff, go give what you've received. And you know what I find? I so fall into this. We love to consume in America, and especially as teenagers, as high school students. I'm going to go to a waste. I mean, not just at stores, obviously we consume stuff, we consume food, but we're consuming everything. I mean, it's just all about the nice act that I would do, helping a little old lady across the street, would be primarily so that I feel better about myself in today's world. And I can't avoid that, I'm in that mode. But it's not really to help the lady, it kind of is, but I really just want to feel good about myself. I'm a pretty good person. But so we consume all kinds of stuff. And Paul says, give it. You've got to get. Who cares? Well, it's good that we have it. But man, there's a dying world out there that also needs to know this stuff, and we hold on to it. Let's go on to verse 2. So he says, if you have all of this stuff, if you have encouragement, if you have comfort from His love and fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he says, make my joy complete. Paul's writing this. Make my joy complete. By being like minded, by being unified, by having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. He basically says, in other words, it's time to start being and doing together. If you have all this stuff, start living it out. Don't just hold on to it yourself. We have to get unified, we have to get on the same page, we have to be unified in spirit and purpose. Why? Because together we can do more. Together we can make an impact. Together we can make a huge difference. Me by myself, Beth Griggs by herself, we can't do that much. If it was just Beth on this planet, the only Christian, man, that'd be hard. But you know what? There's tons of us. There's thousands of us. There's, I don't know, there's millions of us. And everybody else's savior, I mean this as respectfully as possible, everybody else's founder or savior is dead. They're still dead. Or they're atheistic. And again, I know students, high school students today wrestle with that. I mean, I think most atheists go, I don't want to be this way, but I just can't, I can't make the connection. But I go, then how did all this happen? Do you know how like intricate and and minute my eyeball is? Like, did that just happen? But everybody else's, the founders of every other religion, they're they're dead. Jesus is alive. He's not on this earth, but like hundreds of people saw him, and then they saw him go back up to heaven. We have an opportunity together to help people connect with God. Together to help people connect with God. And again, this is very, very hard in a youth group where we have 19 different high schools represented. Sometimes it would be so much easier, I know, if I was a youth pastor in some small town, and we, were all, we all went to the same school and there was 10 of us. And we all loved each other and we would sit around and, I don't know, try to win that one school. It be so easy probably. But we live in Omaha and so there's 19 different high schools represented in this room. So it's hard as you get unified, but that's hard because maybe you go to school and you're the only student from Oasis in your grade, or at least the only male in your grade at your school. So this isn't easy. It doesn't stop there, though. We, we, need, we have the opportunity to connect people with God. We also have an opportunity to uh, um, just love people that are very, very lonely right now, that are, um, who don't have a friend group, who don't fit into any group, who need to be loved unconditionally. There are so many people who don't feel accepted by anyone. That is our role, to take those people in. I would, I would probably get very, very nervous about a church church where everyone is, uh, I don't know, everyone just looks perfect, everyone's smiling, and everything's great, and everyone's pretty. The Christianity, like, we should take in the, the outcast, the, I don't know, any, anybody that's pushed to the margins, that we should be, be out-accepting every other group out there. So we also have the opportunity together to help people feel connected and loved in an incredible way. And again, like I said, this isn't easy at all. And I recognize that. I mean, getting unified, again, you want your friends to know God. This is the hard part. You all want your friends to know God. And so you're, I, I can't sit here and preach this at most of you because you want your friends to know God. And many of your friends might frankly look back at you and say, I don't care. I just don't care. Or maybe they want God and Jesus and they don't want the church. And I understand they go, the church is messy. And it is, church is messy. And again, we're not trying to sell church to people. We're trying to give them Jesus. But if you love Jesus, you should love the church. And it's going to be messy, and it's going to be hard. But man, I hope maybe that just means you start praying for people, lost friends of yours. And I hope that you have at least one other friend that's a Christian. Maybe they go to your school, maybe they don't. But I hope you have somebody. So here in this letter, Paul says, look at what you already have and get unified and give it away to others. You have this. Now pass it on. Give what you've received. And give it as one unified group. Because together you can do it better. You can do more. So how do we actually do this? Here's just a couple of things. Where do, where do we start? Where do we start? Um, we have to start with the people in this room. We have to start with our group. With, with this this thing right here with us. That's why Paul starts with the church, and he uses phrases like, be like-minded, like get unified, and love one another, and be united in purpose, okay? So we get that, but how do we do that? Well, number one, it starts by us fixing what's broken here. If there's brokenness here, we have to start here by fixing what's broken within this group, which means branching out of our own friend groups, and again, that's very, very hard, when I'm the only guy from Omaha Central, I'm the only guy from, I don't know, from Trainer, there's maybe a few of you, I'm the only guy that's a senior that goes to Elkhorn. I know that's very, very hard, but we have to branch out of our own friend groups from time to time, we have to meet new people, we have to maybe reconcile with old friends, we maybe have to reach out to old friends, or get over little fights we've had, Um. Maybe you need to forgive somebody that's here. Maybe you need to go ask for forgiveness from somebody who doesn't come anymore because they don't come because you're here. I don't know what it is. Maybe you need to have a conversation with someone. Maybe you need to quit arguing with someone. Maybe you need to um, quit making fun of someone. I don't know what your group looks like, but maybe um, in your own group there's somebody that you know together as a group you need to the whole group needs to be kinder to that one person. Unity is an amazing thing. The best sports teams are unified. When Florida State comes back and wins the BCS championship on Monday night, they're a unified team. I guarantee it. The best bands are unified. It's time for the church to follow suit, and it can start with us. But as long as we like, remain selfish and, like I said, are just consumeristic, and we come and go, what's in it for me? All I really care about is what's in it for me. I don't really care about anybody else. We have to break that mentality. And you guys, I'm as selfish as the rest of you, but we have to get outside of ourselves if we're going to impact the world, if we're going to become unified as a group. So that's number one. But once we've committed to fixing things with our own group, the next step is we need to get unified around our purpose. We need to get unified around our purpose. Well, what's our purpose at OASIS? I realized we didn't really state that very often and very clearly. So at the end of last semester, I said, I came up with this kind of simple phrase, Or we've been talking about this even as a staff, but to lead students into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, which is as simple as I could get it. I came up with one, and it was way too long and complicated. But to lead students into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, this applies to all of you, meaning each one of you, if you're a Christian, you can grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian. You can begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you can also participate in this by leading your peers into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's what is hard. We will, by default, we are either leading people closer to Jesus, our friends, or we're leading them further away. We like to go, uh, I just haven't gotten the time. I just, I just haven't brought it up yet. It's so awkward. And it is. I don't know how you bring it up. Maybe you try to invite them here because that's easier. But if you aren't leading your friends toward a relationship with Jesus Christ, by default, you're leading them away from Jesus Christ. Because why? Well, you just keep bringing up football or video games or whatever else. But all that's doing is prolonging them not knowing God and having a relationship with God. So we need to know that. And we need to actually apply it, not just recite it and kind of know it as a group. So Paul gives us hope here. In the letter of Philippians, we just look at two verses, all three of these weeks we're going to be in Philippians 2, but he gives us hope about taking back our brand, and he tells us how to do it. He says, start by fixing us, get unified around our purpose, and then we got to pass it on to others. So here's what we're going to do, you guys. Um, Next week at Oasis, we're going to do an intentional um, invite-a-friend week. And uh, I hope you know you can invite friends every week, and you do that, and maybe you're a first-timer here tonight. But um, I wanted to do this before D6 starts, which is our children's ministry, and they start in two weeks. We're going to do an intentional invite-a-friend night, and uh, I want to try really hard to do the best we can to create um, a really fun and kind of inviting environment for your friends, hopefully your friends if you have them that that don't know God, or that maybe don't go to church anywhere. I don't necessarily want to fill this room with students that go to Christ Community, or they go to LifeGate, although I'm sure they'd love to check out another church. Um, we're even going to do this, and this will be a pro or a con for some of you, and leaders, are even just planned this this morning, and so I still want you to be here next, next week, leaders. You guys, I love our leaders. We have, if you don't know this, there's like 30 adults that really make Oasis happen, and we couldn't do it without them, but next week, I think we're not going to go to groups even, to small groups at the end of the night, so that, for many of you, you can invite Someone, a friend of yours, that's the opposite gender, so you don't have to leave them for the final forty minutes in some group. So we're gonna go down to the gym, and I don't know do I don't know what we'll do. Hang out, maybe play a game. Um, but so that's next week. Um, maybe invite someone. Hopefully you can. We'll still teach, and uh, maybe it'll be a little shorter. Ben's teaching next week. But imagine if Oasis was all about helping people enter into and experience a relationship with Jesus. Imagine what that would do to high schoolers in Omaha. I I don't know what that would look like. But I think that would be amazing Um, if we went around showing compassion to not just our Christian friends, but to everyone, to outsiders, to people that are far, far from God. I brought this book up here. I don't have time to quote it at all. The number one thing among 16 to 29-year-olds, the number one answer, 91% of, of 16... To 29-year-old non-Christians, the first thing that they are branded with when they think about Christians is that we're anti-gay, that we hate homosexuals, and that we like bash them continually or something. This author was shocked by that. That was research done in a book called UnChristian. Um, crazy, like that was the top answer. The next two were judgmental and hypocritical. That's our brand from a very non-believing world. And I know that that maybe means that much like none of many of us just don't have non-Christian friends. A lot of non-Christians. Probably we don't have Christian friends. And so it's all perception. But let's begin the process of branding ourselves, and let's be sure to do it together. All right, let's pray real quick. Father, I thank you for this, um, this message, this letter that Paul wrote, just these two verses, where God, through the Apostle Paul, you're saying to us, man, if we have encouragement, if we have union with you, God, we should give it to others. And God, I love to just hold on to things. I love to consume things. I love, it's in my world, a lot of times, it's just all about me. But God, we have to get unified and we have to um, become unified around our purpose and go out into a very, very lost and hurting world. In a world that desperately needs to know you. And God, in a world where people are searching for you and they many times don't even know it. But God, I really think that people have this God-shaped hole in their lives, in their heart. And God, only you can fill it. Because it's God-shaped, and they're longing for you. So God, make us a people that are unified, that do this together, and that go out, and God, that we are on mission to reach people who, uh, who desperately need you and who are dying without you. So God, help us to do this. We pray this in your name. Amen.